<laughs> Good evening and welcome to Nox Mente. How are you tonight? Tonight's guest is Vanessa Kindell. Vanessa is a witch, musician, a dabbler, and all-around creative type from Ohio with a deep fascination in all things weird, magical, fortean, esoteric, and cult. She is Wiccan but follows her own variant of Wicca based on the ancient Sumerian, the Kabbalah, and a little bit of the Tao Te Ching, which she is currently writing a book about. Outside of the magical, she is a Linux enthusiast, reader of poetry, loves to hike, and plays board and card games. Vanessa, welcome to the show. Welcome, Vanessa. Hello, thanks for having me. This is great. So I want to just interject here. So Vanessa is on our server, on our Noxmente server, is the wins the gold star for posting pretty much <laughs> everyday dreams. And they're always like they're, I'd say, in the 90% range of intense, great dreams <laughs> and fun to read. I read every dream. So for that, she gets the gold star. <laughs> just, girl, you have kept the dream room alive. <laughs> It's impressive. It really is impressive. I, I mean, seriously, I I can't even do it. So, and I just want to thank you because you make our server a better place. <laughs> well, we're starting off with making Vanessa blush. Well, good, good, excellent. It's the truth, though, and anyone that goes in there can see that. I'm sure. So let's um, let's get right into this. You know how it goes. I want to know about your early life. So the stuff that inspired you, the stuff that sticks out, and we'll move from there. Let's just, the stuff that inspired you or scared you, the stuff that just kind of pops out from the ethers of your memory. Well, should we start with my earliest memory or my earliest dream memory? Let's start with mem your actual, what you think is a memory. The first memory I remember, and I know it's a real memory because I later found um, a uh, home video of the thing happening, but my er the earliest memory I remember was being a baby, not even able to walk, laying on the floor in the living room, and my dad's playing with me, and he has this mechanical dragon toy, um, and it was battery operated and it would light its eyes lit up and it walked forward and it like roared as it was walking forward and he like had it running towards me and it scared the ever living crap out of me <laughs> and uh and so that's my earliest memory was being scared of a dragon <laughs> i was just gonna say what a perfect thing too it's a dragon especially knowing where you end up being all witchy poo and everything <laughs> <laughs> it's so good did so on that did you have it so i like that this was that early did you have any fears other than this this early memory like dark fears of the darkness fears of the wood under the bed well i grew up next to a forest so i was never really scared of the woods um that was kind of my playground growing mm -hmm. up. um i did have this period of time I was around preschool age um, when I was convinced that there was like a demon in the bedroom and I kept like calling my dad in to like check under the bed and stuff because I swore up and down that like every time he left the room I could hear coming from under the bed. Um, 
what did so how did your dad uh explain that to you he tried to convince me that i was hearing my own breathing being like reflected off the wall <laughs> oh <laughs> that's hilarious not having that yeah, yeah that's... not having that <laughs> but of that... course every time he came in it stopped so what else was he gonna say you know <laughs> it's interesting that you thought it was a demon rather than like say a monster even though they could be interchangeable but that language is specific yeah well i mean i was raised my parents were very very protestant so i was raised with like that kind of language surrounding me in my childhood so Okay, so you were raised Protestant. Were you, you know, for some reason, I thought you were in, your bio says Ohio, and for some reason, I thought you were in Wisconsin. <laughs> you know, you kind of, you look very Wisconsin to me. Wisconsin. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, you have that, you just have a Wisconsin look to me. I don't know why that, I have spent so much time there. Uh, so that's interesting, though, that in the Protestant experience when you're little, can we talk about that a bit? Um, what about it? <laughs> well, I just want to get some of that terminology out. So, Did you I handle demon... snakes? No. Okay. Isn't that, that's charismatic stuff, Jerry. Isn't that like well, the you said what? Pentecostals, uh, specifically that... Wesleyan Pietism. It's all the same. Ooh. Ooh, I don't even know what that is. Wesleyan. Uh, you're probably more familiar with the parent church, which is the Church of God in Indiana. Oh, I am. There's some of those in Iowa. I mean, maybe they're all over, but I've seen them in Iowa. Yeah, I think they're mostly in, like, the area around Indiana. In the Midwest. Kind of, because the parent church is kind of their equivalent to the Vatican, for lack of a better term. So was it, so was there a lot of, was there a big emphasis on, say, the darker stuff? Not so much. It was just my mom was really afraid of everything, and she was convinced there was demons around every corner, so that kind of rubbed off on me somewhat. It's interesting. I'm, I'm, I've just recently been trying to understand more of these different Christian sects. I find it fascinating, and so I've been I in a... third. <laughs> I mean, you grew up with it, but I didn't, and so I've been in listening to crazy people on YouTube and in chats with them, and I'm just trying to understand it, and some of them are really juicy it's from an outsider's perspective, you know, on this, the whole demon front, and especially the end times that we're allegedly in and all that, so... The biggest thing about this one is they swore up and down that they were non-denominational, but that really translated to meaning that they didn't want the word for what they believed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> because they were just as denominational as anyone else. Did you watch uh, TV at all, like cartoons? Oh, yeah. I had had a lot of. What were what were highlights for you within all that? Um, it's kind of normal stuff for my generation. SpongeBob. Oh, geez, I love SpongeBob. That kind of stuff. Okay, so SpongeBob, nor like that general standard stuff. And you already gave us the fact that you had a good relationship with nature and all that. Actually, I have I have one thing that I would 
when I was a young kid, we had uh, Winnie the VHS tape, and there was one that I watched over and over and over, and I think I probably tape out, and it was Winnie the Pooh and the Blustery Day, and I loved that one because there was a really weird, trippy dream sequence. He's being like attacked, attacked by giant heffalumps and over and over and over to see the weirdness yes (laughs) the heffalumps and woozles scared the shit out of my kids when they were little i loved it i I watched it over and over and over there was a disney Disney album or some songs that came out around the haunted mansion and one of them was called grim oh i know what it is it was an album of all the songs that play inside the haunted mansion that my kids had to have, obviously. So, <laughs> there's one song called Grim Grinning Ghost. Grim Grinning Ghost. I forget the words, but the, the guy with the deep voice, that super deep voice, Disney dude, you know who I'm Anyway. I'm not scared to show sure. my I've kids. Only, I've only been to Disney twice in my life. You're less mind controlled than the rest of the public. It only takes <laughs> once, Vanessa. It only takes once. I don't see my family. In Ohio, there are two amusement parks here, so we tended to go to those more than anything else. So, like, my my summers, we always got the gold pass at Kings Island, and we would go there, like, multiple times a, a, a year in the summer. Oh, nice. Yeah. And it- they had their own kind of version of the Haunted Mansion when I was a kid. Um, it was called the Phantom Opera. It's just full of animatronic spook things. And of course, that was like one of my favorite rides. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm that same kind of weirdo. I was always drawn to the, all that. Okay, so back here, back in the early days, dreams. What do you have from this period? Like the earliest dream you can remember and then stuff around that the earliest period. dream that I remember um, was when I was really young, still in a crib. And um, I I would go to bed in the crib, and I I remember like having this reoccurring almost nightmare, but not really, not like make you scream, but just make you unnerved kind of thing. And the dream was that I was in a cage suspended over an abyss. Ooh. And yeah, um, I think it was probably prompted by the fact that I was in a crib. But yeah, I had that one reoccurring as a young kid. And that was really the earliest. I don't really remember any other dreams from that period in my life. But the next earliest dreams I remember is when I started having sleep paralysis. So let's look at this one in the crib, though. So the crib, like I remember, Mike, I remember being six months old. Do you think you were around that age? I'm honestly not sure. I just know it was before my sister was born because when I was a really young kid, um, before my sister was born, the we had there was a bedroom in the in the uh, so it was there was a hallway and like all, all the bedrooms were off the hallway, and the next closest bedroom to my parents' bedroom was um, essentially the younger kid room because like I was the I was the first born child so like I would in the dream I like it was prompted by that room like I remember it be- taking place like it was I'd be in that room and then it the room would fall away and it would just become the abyss and the 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 
crib would turn into the cage. So I know it was in that room. So I know it was before my sister was born and she's like two and a half years younger than me or something. Um, no, one and a half years. So I must've been like less than one and a half years old because <laughs> after she was born, because that room was already set up for, you know, a baby, they made that her room and then they moved me down the hall to the next room. And that's where I was for the rest of my childhood until we moved houses. So I know I must've been less than like one and a half, but okay, where that... at in that range, I'm not entirely sure. No, that's good. It just establishes how early that was. That's and that's really spooky. So you said it was a reoccurring dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how I know I had it at least a few times because I remember one where my mom had put me to bed, and another one where my grandmother had put me to bed. Okay, right. That's a good way of distinguishing. And do you think it was on that same time period, or did it stretch out for year? I'm I'm not sure. I don't remember. I just okay. remember the visuals. Like that was what stuck out in my mind. Yeah, uh, that's that's a, that's great that you remember it that far back, and <laughs> and that it's that gothic. <laughs> you know, <laughs> excellent. Oh, and what sign are you? I am a Cancer. I love you, Cancers. I love cancers, so tropical much. Cancer. Sidereal Gemini. Yep. I am Tropical Taurus Sidereal Aries. Sidereal Gemini. With and my trop my tropical rising is Gemini. What's your rising? Um I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, well that's good. It's more than most people actually know. They don't usually I have know. the chart. I just have to pull it up on my phone. But for me, the sidereal stuff's where it's at. Truly. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I it it seems to resonate with me more than the tropical. And well, it's it's also where you know a lot of old school predictive astrology is is seated in that sidereal stuff. So juicy. All right, it's a, I see you're pulling it up though. <laughs> yeah. So, Everyone, Vanessa's a nerd. <laughs> she has, she is so organized and crazy, like with these charts and stuff of the dreams. Awesome. Okay, let's see. So, which one is rising? On the far left, right on the, on the far left. Oh, wait, if you're looking at it, yeah, it's on the left. I'm looking at the like circle chart thing. Yeah. So, to be, uh, you could put it on the screen. I think oh, I might be able to I hit a button. It. There we go. I mean, I can hold it up. Oh, yeah. It's too little. I can't see it. Yeah, that camera is kind of... It's all um, right. But I would love to see that chart. If you'll send that to me privately, I'd love to look at it. Okay. Okay, so let's move on. So you said earlier about... I think that's... So it's it's the next one after my sun sign, or...? No, it's so there's a line in the middle that separates the top and the bottom. And so it's going to be the first, the signs on the far, if you're looking down at it, it's going to be on the the left side. Let me get that right. My left and right looking, looking down, it's going to be on the left side. And it's going to be the the dividing houses right there from the, 
I see the, the houses. Yeah, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So between the twelfth and the first house, there's this. It's it'll say AS, and in the little chart under it, it'll say that too. Ascendant AS. I don't see that. So it's just gonna be. <laughs> I must be looking at something. That's we'll look at it. I'll look one. at it later. We okay. don't need to talk about that. I'm using but I, Astro Matrix, so I definitely am interested in looking. Okay. So back here, you mentioned about sleep, early sleep paralysis. When do you think that started? Um, definitely after I moved bedrooms. I know I was young. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think it was before I started school. But I'm not entirely sure. I just know I was young. And uh, hey, hon. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My girlfriend <laughs> just walked by. Um, um, I'm not exactly sure what, how, how old I was, but I know I was definitely young, and it was after that I moved bedrooms. So, and then will you walk us through some of the experiences you had with sleep paralysis at this age? It was pretty much always the same thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I had it multiple times. I know I had it. Like it was a, it was like it. It was such a problem that my parents ended up like talking to the doctor about that, which scared me. <laughs> oh but uh, it scared me more than the pre sleep paralysis did. Um, but it was always there was just a shadow being in the corner of the room, just staring at me, and I couldn't move. And I would try to open my mouth to scream, and I couldn't even like I could barely get out more than just like. Ah. Yes. Yes. Pretty classic. And and so was this a standard experience? Do you have it a lot? I, I had it enough that it scared my parents, so there's that. Um, I, I can't say how many times, but it had to have been like at least eight times, maybe more. Like okay. It happened a lot, like for multiple years. And was there a time, so moving along this particular thread, was there a point in which you actually were able to get out of body with it? Because that's usually the whole process that can happen. I, hard to say. There was a, a thing that happened more than once where I felt like I fell out of my body and like into a dark pit underneath my bedroom which my yes. bedroom was a ground floor and there was no basements there was nothing actually below it but I would have this reoccurring experience where I would feel like I'm falling and then I like look around and I'm just in this like darkness yes that's that's it that's what I'm talking about you can and you know you can play with that like I would go up and down I'd elongate myself and spin I definitely made myself spin, but that was as far as it got, and then it never happened. It only happened like twice, so. When so when you did drop out of your body and fall to what you're calling the pit, where did you find that scary? It reminded me of riding a roller coaster, so yes. I thought it was fun. Yes, <laughs> it's very. That's actually a great way to look at it when I'm trying to describe it to people because it's it's kind of hard to describe in a way. That's interesting. Uh, if you're the first person that I know, this is a common experience, but not a lot of people seem to come on and talk about it. I'm always trying to get people to talk about that. Did okay. So on that, did 
do you remember around what age you were when that experience was start those experiences were happening the spinning and the drop out of your body it was around the same time okay so it's all happening there interesting all right you know everybody knows i automatic right which i think is another there's another term for it called scribbling <laughs> <laughs> scribbling automatic writing so I see what comes out so let's talk about the architecture of your dreams in your general experience with dreaming and this is at any period how does it look how does the dreamscape appear to you well um it depends uh I actually like came up with like a five level classification chart to try and explain it because of course you did <laughs> <laughs> So, um, the first level is what I call an impression dream, where you, like, wake up and you have, like, a concept in your head. You don't really know what it relates to that thing. Almost mm -hmm. as if it's kind of, like, I don't throwing things at the wall. <laughs> um, a level two would be, like, just, like, an image plus an impression. Like, you know, you wake up and you have... Um, level three would be um, just like a typical narrative dream where it seems like you're watching kind of just like watching a narrative play out. Level four would be like where you're aware of the dream in some fashion. You are not necessarily aware that you're dreaming, but you at least like know, like you have control over it and it feels real in quotes. And then a level five is a what the fuck this this shouldn't be this this completely <laughs> breaks my brain. There's no difference between the dream world and the waking world. It's all the same. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. How often do you have level fives? Um, I uh, I would say like about six to eight times in my entire life. When was the earliest one? sure because so, i didn't record anything when i was a kid I didn't think of it as important and i went through an atheist phase where i just basically discarded anything weird because i didn't want to deal with it and i used atheism to kind of cloak that um it's kind of like an escape i didn't deal with it um so in that time period i kind of forgot a lot of stuff so i'm not entirely sure so, all right, so let's step back a minute, but I want to get back to if you have de other details on other level five dreams, like actual memory of them. The, well, the most recent one that I remember that like is still really fresh in my mind was I was actually staying over at a friend's house. We were like staying up late playing video games and eating pizza and all that kind of goofy nonsense. <laughs> And uh, I, she, she was still like wide awake, and she was like up on her computer, and I was exhausted. So I went to bed, and I like was sleeping, and then like next thing I know, I'm like going, getting up. I think I had to like go to the bathroom. So I get up and go to the bathroom, and in the bathroom is like this like bottomless pit. And then I wake up again, and I had never got out of bed. 
And so I was just like, well, that's weird. So for some reason, I decided to go up the basement stairs because she was in, she was in a like she was staying in a basement at the time. So I started going up the stairs, and then like a shark shoots down the stairs and tries to eat my face off. And then I wake up again, and then I'm like, oh, wow. I was like, okay, well, screw this. So I go and sit on the couch, and then like the couch falls over and the building starts collapsing. And then I wake up again, <laughs> and this happens like six or seven times. And then when I finally do wake up for real, I'm just like, am I even awake? What even is reality? Is reality even a real thing? And uh, so, like, then my friend had to, like, calm me down and help me sort out what's real and what's not. <laughs> How old were you when that happened? Uh, this was, like, a couple years ago. Oh, or, this was last summer, I think. This is super recent. That's incredible. And were you, had you been on any kind of psychedelic or anything that may I've have... I've never done anything like that. So this is all natural. Yeah, like the, the when it comes to stuff like that, other than like, you know, having a sometimes weird stuff when I take like cold medicine, like other than like that, the only thing close to anything like that that I've ever done was drinking alcohol so i'm really vanilla when it comes to sus substance use if it's basically i am like the dare kid <laughs> oh, you're hilarious so, well, that makes this even more significant this is this dream within a dream within a dream and in your terms the level five the what the fuck <laughs> It's incredible. And something I've noticed is the, the repeat terminology of a pit. So it started with the early with the crib and then falling into the pit under your, you know, under your body, under your bed. That wow, is. I've never even made that connection before. <laughs> oh, yeah, girl. I'm onto this stuff. So that's interesting. But this several dreams within a dream, I can say I've never had, is is interesting and it's they always sound really scary to me where you actually are questioning like it was just confusing i was just like what is even happening <laughs> what is life <laughs> and see so in my experience of interacting with you on the server you you are already like there with these conversations like this ex <laughs> existential stuff so that's what's so fun about interacting with you uh so were you questioning those kinds of things this I was already year? been to the occult by that point. So yeah. So, yeah, let's get a timeline for that. When did you start getting into all this alternatives from, from your life, you know, coming up Protestant into which is, you know, all the alternative stuff, which would be this occult stuff? Um, well, like when I first got into magic was actually only like two and a half years ago, but mm -hmm. I've always had a, a like an intense interest in the paranormal and the weird like folks and bigfoots and ghosts and all that. Yeah, I, I mean, I find that people are drawn to this. It's I hate to say this, but I'm going to anyway. I feel like people are born to these things. I don't know. We bring in, we bring in. Like occultists seem born to me in a weird way. You can study it, but I, I know I just notice over and over again that like Gordon White says, Were you always a weird were you a weird kid? Right? <laughs> I and was definitely a weird kid. 
and that's always a theme right (laughs) isn't it so there's something about that born to it term and i mean you definitely qualify so magic about two and a half years ago you were always into the sci-fi my like my favorite one of my favorite books as a young kid was this ghost story that my grandmother had about this ghost that lived in the attic (laughs) and i don't know whatever happened to that book because after they died after my grandparents died and i was like over there um going through their stuff to try and decide what i wanted to keep and wanted what we wanted to sell um I looked for that book and it was gone. So I don't know whatever happened to that or if I just imagined that entire thing, but I could, but I've looked it up and that storybook definitely exists. So I don't know. Do you remember the name of that book? I don't, but it was like, it was about this friendly ghost that lived in the attic, but like the family was scared at first and then they found out he was friendly and so no, it wasn't okay. Casper, though I did have a Casper VHS that I loved to watch, too. <laughs> I, I watched it so Casper much that it got little. destroyed, and I had to throw it away, and I was sad that I had to throw it away. <laughs> I loved Casper when I was little. I love, love, love Casper. And then when I got a little older, like, one of my favorite books was Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which, you know, had all that really creepy artwork, that pencil, or, I guess, pen on ink, and mm-hmm. an ink drawing artwork you know what i'm talking about i I think i feel like i do yeah i can go get the book i have it it's on the other side of the room though (laughs) if you know the name jerry can pull it up he puts that stuff in chat and i didn't i wasn't listening what was it scary stories to tell in the dark there were three volumes but i had the uh the collected one it was all in one and it's the one with the really creepy pen and ink drawing artwork made a movie of it Oh, did cool. they? I'm not even familiar. But it's not out yet. That's why. Oh, <laughs> how timely is well, that? If, they don't, if it's not entirely done by that artist, then I'm not interested because so it was Stephen, really the artwork that drew to me. Stephen Gamal is his name. Yeah, the stories weren't that interesting. And there was, I think, a later edition that didn't have the same artwork, but it was the mm-hmm. artwork that really, like, I really loved that artwork. It scares the crap out of my girlfriend, though. <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait. Jerry's going to put in show notes and in the chat, I will definitely be checking that out. Okay, so back to, let's get the nuts and bolts out again. So when you dream, how does the dreamscape appear to you? So color, black and white, do you have smell? Can you read? Well, that's part of why I was getting out my classification chart, because like, like at a level one, it's just ideas. But like at a level two, it's images, but they're always in color. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm convinced that the whole black and white thing was entirely bait because a lot of people were watching black and white TV at the time. Like, I, I think, think you're onto something. A generational there. thing because I've never met anyone who wasn't from the generation of black and white TVs that have said that they've ever had a black and white dream. So I think we've had a couple people, and indeed, I think they were older. Like I think. Like, I remember my mom telling me that she had a couple black and white dreams, but of course she was from that generation that grew up with black and white TV. And I think that's the only person I've ever talked to that said they had a black and white dream. Jerry, you were going to say something. Uh, I've never had a black and white dream. And I had a black and white TV. <laughs> but anyways, um, so the ones that were actually 
more narrative driven it's definitely it's like watching a tv show like like you're looking at this thing happening sometimes even third person though not always Mm -hmm. sometimes like playing doom (laughs) (laughs) um but then like at a level four where i'm in some sort of control even even if i'm not necessarily lucid in in the technical sense like and the ones where I'm like, I feel like I'm driving the story in some way, mm-hmm. those seem to have a reoccurring landscape. Right. A consistent it, landscape. I don't always know where at in that landscape, but like I seem to have like a separate set of memories in that landscape. And um like it it seems like a consistent narrative, though it jumps around temporally in comparison to this life. So, like, sometimes I'll be in the dreamscape in that world, and I'll be a kid. Sometimes I'll be an adult. Sometimes I'll be even older than I am. It kind of jumps around. And in at this level, do you have, do you have, like, a place that is home or that, you, you know, you go, you return to that's like a, like you live there? Well, that's the thing about, like, in, I'm convinced that, if I have a life in that, like, if it is a consistent life in that dreamscape, then I'm living a life where I'm, like, moving every few months, because I swear every single time I have that, those dreams there, it, I, I have a different house that I live in. But see, so I do too, but the house shit, the house looks different, all that is constantly different, but, and sometimes it's an apartment, sometimes it's like a warehouse, it just shifts, but it's always mine, and so when I'm in it, I notice that it's different, but it doesn't necessarily have this vibe like I've moved. It's somehow the dreamscape has changed around my idea of it. It's like there's no. A, I've definitely had I've had dreams where I actually was in the process of moving. Okay. That okay. Well, that would answer that. <laughs> it's almost like yeah. The, in fact, the, one of them recently was. I'm sorry. It's almost like the house is vaguely familiar, or the place. Yes. Yes. And it's like almost your house, but I mean, I, that's how I dream too. So that's pretty weird. Well, well in mine, like I've had ones where I was just recently moved and like I had one where I, where I was in a cabin and I just recently moved because there was like boxes everywhere. And I was like thinking that I was like, oh, I have to settle into this new place. And then I had one somewhat recently of, I was younger in it and still living with my dad and my sister. And we had moved to a haunted house that was haunted by the ghosts of my grandparents. So, you know, we want to hear about that. Well, let me uh, do a quick search and see if I can find it in my spreadsheet and I can just read it to you. (laughs) This is what I'm talking about. (laughs) Vanessa is set up. So, also, these are grandparents that you remember in your life, correct? Um, yeah, some of them, and some of them I just know because I have my dream journal. So you didn't know them in life? Do, do what? I'm sorry. In, <laughs> I think so- I, I was reading the screen and trying to talk at the same time, and I think I got mixed up. <laughs> So these grandparents you're talking about with the, their house. Oh, home. no. Yeah, no. It's definitely my real grandparents. But, but and you re- do you remember them? Like you had a relationship with them? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, actually, the ones, 
the the grandmother that read me that ghost story growing up was the one that was in the dream. <laughs> I just realized how weird that is. Some <laughs> <laughs> reason, and everything seemed normal. Then we went into bed, and though my sister was, but my sister was scared, so and she insisted on sleeping in the same room that I was in, and was carrying a flashlight, which was a blue flashlight. Um, in the night, all of a sudden, we were woken up by a door sound. In the room we were in, the closet door had opened, only it opened to a small set of stairs down into a strange basement hallway, where we got up and looked in it with the flashlight. Another door in the hallway opened. Then we had the idea of looking at the room with the video camera connected to the TV. At first, the picture seemed normal. Then for a few moments, it seemed as if the recording of my late grandparents in the same room at the same spot we were pointing the camera at, but all the lights were on and my grandma was standing there doing the ironing and my grandpa was was sat in a big chair which wasn't in the room anymore. Then as quickly as it appeared, it went away and the door shut and the basement hallway startling us. I shut the door. Oh, the the door at the end of the hallway shut, startling us. Then I shut the door going into the into this basement and said that my sister said to my sister that I expect this kind of thing to be a normal occurrence in this haunted house. Then I had another dream where I was watching a documentary about. Oh gosh, that's a okay. I'm not going to read that part. <laughs> so, all right. So when you tell this dream from writing it down, and I do commend you in how good you are at recording these, does does it spark the memory of the dream? Are you able to recall yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. I can I can picture the room. I can picture the hallway. I can picture the video. So this house the weirdness of the video because it looked like they were staring right in right at us through the screen. What was the mood? creepy <laughs> even but also though a bit like of of like intrigue like curiosity mm-hmm. i guess well when you see your grandparents in it though that i it sounds like you love them yeah we had a bit of a uh definitely i was close to them when i was younger but as i got older and i started getting more and more weird it tended to put a rift between us and so like I didn't the, the last few years before they died I had not even visited them and like except at the well like my grandmother like I had not even visited her since my grandpa had died because it was like that uncomfortable so so when you when you encountered them in the dream was there any kind of emotional stuff attached to it was this the first a lot time yeah it, definitely a lot what was that mood like oh gosh um fear um worry confusion intrigue also sadness a whole big soup of emotions yeah, and it's interesting that it, there's this distance. This is something that I see over and over again. So with this, before either of them died, 
did you have any premonition of them dying? Were they having long drawn out deaths or were you, did you dream of it? Did it come to you in a dream or was it just totally a surprise? <clears throat> it wasn't a surprise because for, for one thing, they were both in pretty poor health by that point. But another thing is after my mom died, like they, you could tell they had kind of lost the will to live. So like at that point, like every time I saw them, it was like they were in just more and more poorer health. And when, when it happened, like my grandpa, like he had had heart problems and back problems for years and years and years. And so like when he finally died, it was not exactly a surprise. And then my grandmother, she had had, like her spine had pretty much collapsed from um, arthritis and whatever that other bone thing is that like. Osteoporosis? Had, like, that one, that one. Yeah. Um, she had, her his spine had pretty much collapsed. So like when she died, she died from having fallen and basically never recovered. Did so, so it wasn't you, exactly a surprise. It was kind of a well, we saw this coming. It was kind of an inevitability coming. Like, were did you have any dream experiences when they died? Like, did they show up? Did you have a premonition around right around the time they actually passed? I don't remember anything specific um, with them. I just kind of, I knew it was about time for that to happen. It was just kind of a matter of time kind of thing. Okay. What about, and so you have one sibling, your sister? Um, yes. <clears throat> Though speaking of that, my dad's side of the family, when my grandpa died recently, I had in the summer ahead of time predicted within a month his actual date of death. Oh, wow. How did you get to that date? Tarot. <laughs> oh, I, I love this. I, and I you had were, done and my tarot a... for like the, what was coming up for the next like, you know, six months. And there was like the death card and then followed by like a card that was like related to like mourning. And it was just like, oh, hello. <laughs> so like I wrote it down and I remember the day he died, I went and deleted the prediction because I didn't want to I didn't want to like turn his death into like me like gloating at my tarot or whatever. So yeah, but still, that's really any record of it. So, but I definitely did predict when my grandpa was going to die within a month. I think I had said he was going to die like the next month after when he did something. Did what deck was that? What deck do you use, by the way? Both. Yeah, I, I think I remember you talking about that in the server. I have quite a few decks, but that's the one I use most often. It it just it's so intuitive and visceral and full of imagery and. I feel like Crowley definitely got it right. <laughs> yeah, and at this point, it really is a classic. It almost surpasses the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, which was the classic. I could never get that one to play nice for me. It felt like something was off. Um, the, the only one that has come close to me for how intuitive the Thoth is is the uh, Golden Dawn Tarot. Yeah, that's, that's like a, great a close deck, second. Though. Yeah. I I really love my go-to 
every day for every day is the alchemical deck. It, it's the, my favorite. I favorite, don't use favorite. that one. I just I picked it. up the de- the demon tarot yesterday. I don't even know about it, so I need to know about that. Jerry <laughs> will get on that, I'm sure. Uh, okay, so let's can we can we come back here and talk about your mother for a minute? You gave us some, you know, she passed, so you're in the, the dead parent. Class. Yeah, that that sucked. <laughs> I I'm with you. My mom was my the person I love the most on this planet. It's it's you know for people that love you know some people just don't have close relationships, but for those of us that do, this is devastating. Oh yeah, my mom like anytime. I felt any kind of emotion. I was always calling her. So yeah, I'm sorry. Asked, I'm sorry was, about that. It was like somebody had taken, like, ripped out all my intestines and threw them threw them down the hallway or something. <laughs> like, yes, I I hear you. It was when, awful. How long? Honestly, I I still haven't quite recovered. Like, I'm still having. I'll have days where I just get really depressed and start crying about it. Still. Oh, darling. How long's it been? It's been about four years. Oh, it's yeah, it's still early. It it's and of course, in true universe laughing at me form, she died April first. Oh my god, it's my grandma's birthday too. That's terrible. Did you did you have a dream? Was there any dreams around that time for you with her passing? That was. I had, I don't know. I, uh, I've kind of blocked that period of time from my memory for the most part. Mm -hmm. And that was during a time period where I had stopped recording my dreams. So I, I can't really answer that. Okay. Yeah. I I just want to know, have you dreamt ever since then though? Oh yeah. Multiple times. What was the first time you can recall? What was that dream? Uh, I'm not sure, but the one that stands out in my mind is one where she had, we were having a post-mortem birthday for, actually, let me just see if it's in my thing and I can read it. Excellent. Is this the one? Just do a search. I wish there was a better way to search. There is. You need to put tags on all your photos or whatever. It's it's a spreadsheet. Do a like I'm searching for keywords, but I'm trying to remember. Do a grep. What is that? General regular expression processor. It's a Linux utility. It will search for strings within files and whatnot. Over. Oh, uh, I'm using uh, LibreOffice. 
Oh, well, that's your problem. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's what I used to. That's right. Hold on. I think I might have just Yay for that. We don't mind a little pause. Jerry, we should learn doo-wop together for these moments. Barbershop quartet. Yes. The thing is, I go low, too. We both go low. I can sing a falsetto. <laughs> oh, can you? Oh, what a night. Late, Late September. I can't sing that loud anymore. I don't know the words. Well, this isn't time. the one I was looking for, but it's certainly an interesting one, so let me read this instead. <laughs> All right, give it to us. I dreamed we were moving from the old house, and I was riding my old red bike down the hill, but one of the pegs was missing. When I got a text from my dad wanting to know if I wanted to see a teddy bear he had found in the stuff... What? Oh, found in the stuff that was named Fluffy. I said yes and rode my bike home. The house was a mess from moving. Um, a couple people were there sitting on the couch, apparently taking a break from helping with the move. Uh, my dad's friend told me to text my dad and ask him if he got the message with the picture of the silver bear. I tried to text, but my phone stopped working. Then I started looking for my dad or for the bear, only to find my mom in the hallway freaking out because the bedroom kept getting put back when she left it. I went in and felt a spirit presence in the room, so I said to the spirits they had better undo whatever they had just did and took my mom back into the hall and have them give them time to do it. They didn't, so I went back in the room and started doing a banishing incantation, punctuated by hitting the bed with my right hand. Then I woke up. Oh, wow. That's powerful. So, and you remember this dream, right? I remember parts of it. Again, like, I remember the like hitting the bed, but I don't remember the part about like being in the hallway and looking for the bear. What was the general mood for you? You know, having your mom in it and all this, and then of course going um, back in and doing that. And this one, it was like normalized, like she, like she had never died. Um, okay, I was yeah. really mad at the spirits. <laughs> so, in general. What is your relationship like with your mom now through the dream portal? Um, she shows up here and there, and it's usually weird stuff happening, but, like, it's hard to really get a read on it. Almost as if she's just kind of watching me. That sounds weird when I say it, but... Is there a sense that time's moving on with both of you? Or is there, like, what's the sense of movement? I mean, clearly it's been it's been four years or so. And do, are, do you get emotional when you see her in dreams still? Well, the thing is, most of the time when she shows up in dreams, it's like as if she had never died. Mm -hmm. well, it's kind of hard to explain. The, the yeah. one I was trying to find... I'll just describe what I remember of it. Um, it we were at our the old house that I had grown up in, mm -hmm. and which, by the way, when I have dreams where relatives are involved, it's always like an alternate reality version of this world. 
So there's like the separate one where I'm like a different me in a different reality. And then there's the ones where I dream about stuff that actually happened. Okay. Um, but like an alternate reality version of it. And so like in this one, it was, I was at my, the, the old house that like my childhood home. And there was like some sort of party going on that my parents were throwing, which was kind of a normal thing to have happen at that place. And I went into the other room to see my mom and she was there, but she had a box over her head with like, a like, um, with like, uh, like clear plastic over it so she could see out. Mm-hmm. And I just, and it said on it, it had like a warning message on it that says, do not remove this keeps the disease of death from getting out. Oh my God. Wow. And like, I remember seeing her and then I just woke up crying. Like that's, that's all I remember. I know there was more to that dream, which is why I was trying to find it. But like that imagery is just like burned into my mind <laughs> of like the box that said, you know, do not remove this keeps the disease of death from getting out. That should be a painting, by the way. I, that <laughs> image is so intense that it really would be an amazing painting. So I draw it. I think I'm not much. Should. I'm not very good at painting, but I've I've definitely have an art book where I do drawings. Yeah, I know you've I'm posted. Good, but have I? Yes. yes <laughs> I don't even remember. <laughs> and and I and so everyone always says that about their stuff. Uh, they either say I'm not good or they overboast. You know, and it's <laughs> like we can all do this. So that that that's intriguing to me is so what's not so unusual for me is that there's a barrier what's unusual is that there was that note and it was just over her head and you woke up crying how long after she had passed do you think that dream happened i'm not sure that's why i was trying to find the dream entry i have a really really garbage sense of time I my too. sense of time is practically non-existent. <laughs> I almost feel like it's nerve of me to ask about timelines with people because I'm t- I don't even know when my birthday is. Usually, other people. I wear this on a near constant basis. Um, my <laughs> smartwatch because I use Google Calendar to keep my life from falling into a complete bunch of nonsense. <laughs> Ooh, girl! I'll hail the AI. <laughs> it's and, a joke. Uh, it's a current joke. The AI. And uh, I use a sleep app, which is part of why I have such an extensive dream record is like my app is set. So it will not stop the alarm until I enter my dream. We, when you first logged into the server, we did a lot of chit chat back and forth on that app because you were posting directly from it and how it monitored this stuff. And I'm deeply fascinated by it. And I'm also in a way kind of repelled by it too, because I, I just don't know what I trust. But looking at at it through the lens of you posting and seeing the results you get and the, the actual clarity of detail is astonishing. <laughs> it really is. I mean, it makes, especially for someone who's really serious about dreams, it's you know at some point i wonder will i cave and do that so well it's it's simply this if i didn't have this app i would not be recording anything because or i'd be recording after i've been already through half my day because in the morning i am like a zombie 
and unless I have something to force me to do something, I'm not going to do it. And a lot of times I forget to even do basic things when I'm getting ready in the morning because I'm just not awake until I've had my coffee. So, right. Yeah. Um, this app is 100% the reason why I have anything. <laughs> and that is. That's, I mean, that's saying a lot, especially since I see the results of it, which are astonishing. So (laughs) let's, so this, this experience, so, so you have the mom and you have the grandparents. Do you experience other people that have passed in the dreamscape that you know? Yeah, actually, um, my grandparents, part of what made that one dream with the uh, haunted house so creepy is because that was the second time they had shown up in a dream um and around that same time frame um there was another dream i'm not even going to try to search for it well actually the dream the uh search term should be pretty easy hold on because i don't think i've dreamed about that subject okay yep here we go um Yep, okay. Uh, dreamed I had joined the OTO and began initiating into Thelema. Was staying at my parents' place for some reason. My grandparents on my mom's side were staying there too for whatever reason. I knew they and my mom were already dead in the dream, but they were alive in the dream nonetheless. At some point, my mom got really nosy and started getting into my Thelema stuff. She wouldn't leave me alone about the fact that the Liber Alval Legis isn't a Christian document and started and I kept trying to explain that I hadn't been Christian in years, but then my grandparents and father got involved, so I slipped away and spent the night in a hotel that looked like it had been recently renovated. Somehow my parents got into that place, too, and wasn't bothering me, but were bothering everyone on that level. Uh, luckily, the man next door was also Thelemic and got really annoyed and just kicked them out for causing a ruckus. <laughs> The hotel smelled strong of candle smell. I tried to sleep through the night at the hotel, but couldn't sleep and ended up astral projecting in the dream instead. The man Ooh. turned out to be a Thelemic priest, and he helped me with the karmic mess my family had left behind. Oh my, that's intense. <laughs> so I love the idea of you're in the dream and you astral project out within the dream. This and is met him. Yes. And the same <laughs> from the, the 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 hotel next door. Which is remarkable. And then you talk about karmic stuff and the residue. So on that note, what are your thoughts on how that all plays into this existence we're having? Do you have a sense? Oh, I definitely think that's a thing, but I don't think it's a moralistic thing in the way that most people think of it. I think it's more to do with like cause and effect and relationships with people and their spirits, even across lifetimes. Could you elaborate on that a little more? Well, I don't think it's like, you know, a list of good things and bad things and you have to like make up for it or whether I, I think that kind of like moralism is mostly a projection from the Zoroastrian current and not really something inherent in the universe because I've never really experienced the universe in that way. I feel like that's something we project onto it to try and like make more sense of it than 
is really there. I think it's probably more of a case of like in the the grand scheme of things, like the relationships with different people's spirits throughout like multiple recurring lifetimes and like trying to make up for like past harms that are coming out through family lines and, and manifesting in the world through, you know, how, you know, past events have repercussions far into the future, even after everything related to that event has stopped. So like, that's like a know, retro example, causality type of thing. Right? Yeah. Like for example, the, uh, the Romans haven't been occupying Celtic lands for a long time, but yet their influence and the damage that they done did during that time is clearly still affecting Europe because I mean, Europe is essentially obsessed with the Roman empire, mm-hmm. even into this day, even the, even though like everything that, directly related to that trauma is gone that's that ancestral trauma still reverberates into the current and plus the vatican frame. rules the world right now so which <laughs> <laughs> <Which> is true <laughs> it, it is still it's still it's still looping round so well the vatican is the roman empire really i mean yes. the roman empire turned yeah. into the vatican Yes. Yes. And the reason, the whole reason they made everybody convert was because they exploited the military power that they had from being the Roman Empire. Oh, shit. I was muted. Um, (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? So, okay. So this dream. Astral projection within the dream. Have you? So I want. Well, this. Well, we're on this particular dream. Have you astral projected just general than OBE? No, except for those things that I described about like falling into the abyss. I'm convinced that was probably a form of astral projection, but um, right. No, but like, nothing. I've tried. I have tried like crazy, and it just does not want to happen. So when you get actually lucid, where you're, you know, you're awake, and I can't remember what level that is. That's level four. Like when that happens, it's still within the dreamscape. Like it's one hundred percent a part of the dream. Right, you're level four. That awakeness. Yeah, that like I'm there. I'm in the dream, but like the narrative is still playing out around me. And how I much just, control do you have at that level? The same amount that I have in this waking state. And so when you, so back to this dream we're talking about where you are astral projecting, but from the dream, <laughs> this, this layering is awesome. What was more than once for me too. So, so this is not uncommon for you to astral project um, from within the I've dream. Only, I've only had it happen a few times, but every single time it's somehow involved like prominent occultists being involved in it some way either like somebody that's like invented for, for the dream like that thelemic priest which i don't even think that's a a thing in thelema <laughs> um and the other one it was gordon white that showed up so <laughs> well love gordon that's awesome what so can you give us a little idea of what that the the feel of doing that within the dream was like though 
it was like it was like I was a ghost essentially like I was there but I could like walk through things and but some things were solid but some things weren't and there would sometimes be spirits in the area like walking around doing stuff it okay and so in in the theme of this how often do you deal with things that would you would consider spirits or others that are not part that appear in the higher levels of the streaming the more awareness of your dreams so and are you talking in real life or in the context of dreams in the context of dreams it seems to be a pretty regular occurrence but then again it's a pretty regular occurrence in my waking life so that doesn't really <laughs> do how you much of that is just my waking life leading into it it's hard to say well and, and that's the thing. I mean, that's my big thing here with all this is what's what's really real. These so is these the real life. <laughs> oh, right? Yes, Queen. Um, so, <laughs> um, after those, which that that wake up, wake up, wake up in the dream, wake up in the dream over and over again thing has happened more than once. And in one of the times, I actually tried to like test it to see if I was awake by like putting my hand in a candle and I burned myself and then I woke up again. So <laughs> I was just like, at that point, like I tried every single trick that they tell you to do to become lucid to like mm -hmm. see if you're dreaming or not. And none of them worked. All of them worked exactly like how I, like how that normally happens. So like this was actually a few weeks later after the first one. Uh, and it was at the same house, go figure. Like I'm at the same friend's place. Um, and so like, I'm, I've come to the conclusion that the only difference is that we are focused in this one, but that when we're in the other one, we think that's the waking world and have a completely different set of memories. Yeah. I mean, it's so tangled, especially when we're talking about these, this kind of onion experience where it's just layer after layer, which clearly you really have also again you're not a substance a person that does any kind of substance that alters your sense of you know no psychedelics yeah i've always than, had the kind of feeling that that cheapens it in some way it you know who knows who knows what what's what with that but i think it gives you lend it lends a weight in in the fact that you're coming on, you have these really, these are extraordinary. Oh, deja vu. <laughs> yeah, I've already had one tonight. <laughs> so these dreams within dreams within dreams with you and the fact that you are very vanilla, as you said, uh, there's a, it gives a certain gravity, is what I want to say, Vanessa, that makes it's easier to pin a little more importance on it, I suppose. Uh, so with this, so I, I don't know, since you just said the deja vu, how do you think deja vu is tying into this whole narrative of life and dreaming and dreaming within dreams and well, all that's going on? Well, I know I just said it, but actually I don't think deja vu is a thing. I think it's all deja vu. Right. You know, not a lot of people are familiar with that. Right? Because multiple times I've had deja vu and then look, looked back through my dream database and was like, oh, 
I dreamed that. I just forgot that I had dreamed that. <laughs> Absolutely. Mine are almost 100% that as well. So And so but, I've come like it's 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 such a consistent thing that I've become convinced that there's no such thing as deja vu. It's all deja vu. Well, how do you think that plays into all this though? What is the, the jury's function still of out it? on that one? <laughs> I'm, st- I'm still trying to figure that one out. I have no idea because it's always like the most mundane, silly nonsense that seems to be the thing. Like I'll 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 dream of watching a film and then I'll watch the film and then I'll go back and and realize, "Oh, I dreamed watching, you know, this part of this film." Like why why is that? And it's like the most mundane scene or whatever. Or be like just walking down a hallway and turning left and like what what yeah. how is that in any way important but, they're like almost always mundane but i think because there's a sense of recurrence and maybe the nietzschean sense there's something super significant about it you know i haven't actually read nietzsche Ooh, i i suggest it so all it's, right uh, hostility has always put me off i think it's it's for me, because I'll, I just like to dive into a lot of different stuff, I just, I let, I, I just am able to, I'm able to do it. I don't know why. It's same with like really some of the crazy Christians I'll listen to just to understand what they're saying. And these are people that I'm literally everything they think is evil. <laughs> you know, like everything they think is evil, I represent. And yeah, I'm listening to them to see what they've going on with an open mind so uh it's just just how i am anyway so the deja vu deja reve the deja experience in life within life within death how is what is your sense of consciousness and how we Pin it into the nowness. So the nowness of a of a dream, the nowness of other states of consciousness. What do you think all this is? What's this experience we are having in general? Well, I'm gonna start by with with the Gordonism. I don't think we have time right. Yeah. I think we our idea of what time is is wrong. Um but I'm I'm not entirely sure, honestly. I'm still working on that. <laughs> I have things that I definitely think are more true than others, but I can't really say for certain because part of it is I'm kind of like Philip K. Dick in that, like, ask me two weeks from now and I'll have a different answer. So. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I find open-minded people are like that. I mean, Jerry and I are constantly adding new. As new stuff comes in, we, you know. So I don't like to try and pin myself down to one idea or another i just kind of i'm more interested in what i'm doing rather than like what i think is going on if that makes sense mm-hmm. it make yeah yeah i was just talking to crypto mystic in chat <clears throat> about trying to keep up with all the changes to our reality lately or or what seemed to be so right i, I get that I- I think that's mostly the media just spinning narratives because when you really look at it from like a scale, I mean, I'm obsessed with ancient Mesopotamia and there's, I am constantly surprised by how 
little has actually changed in the grand scheme of things. How how much of that material is still as valid today as it was ever? <laughs> so. Maybe. But I think it's all, <clears throat> it's all narrative. Everything is narratives. You know, to some degree. I'm just the, the scientific ones, though. They keep coming up with new discoveries, or things aren't the way they thought they were. It's like as our. I've just I've kind of like tuned out of all that stuff mm. because so much of it is rediscovering stuff that people in the past already knew. Anyways, that stuff that we had just discarded because we decided it was nonsense, and then it's like, oh wait, no, that's actually a thing. So I've just kind of tuned out of all of that. I've blocked most of the media sites from showing up on my computer and on my electronic devices, and I just mostly focus on the people around me because I've decided all that stuff is just noise. What well, looping, you know, and, and that's what we've been talking about here. I'm sure you've heard us talking about that, is the fact that, first of all, there seems to be a sense of time looping that's going on. Like, it doesn't seem like there's anything new anyway. And all roads do. You and I had talked about this, Vanessa, early on, about how so much of it does lead back to Mesopotamia so much points back to this early documentation that we can now see and understand, especially with the way the translations are coming uh, out in more recent times. They've changed since, say, I have a book on Mesopotamia from the 50s, and it's, I should pull that out. I was looking for it the other day. It's well, the, tra the translations of, the of those cuneiforms are different than they are now. I mean, people, the, well, I've actually kept up with the scholarship on that, and I've actually, yeah. like, I have some really old books on Mesopotamia, I have some really new ones, but I actually have, like, all of the weird technical, like, papers on, like, why and where and wherefore and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing is a lot of the early documents was just, okay, they saw some stuff, they had, like, oh, we know what that sign means, that sign means, we don't know what that sign means, so let's just make something up to, as a placeholder. And then they would just like, you know, say that with like an asterisk. And like, so the more recent stuff is just simply we have more data. So what do you see? So in that narrative, let's walk down that line for a minute. First of all, what leads you back to Mesopotamia? How'd you get there? Are you an Anunnaki? Well, um... <laughs> Are you an Anunnaki? <laughs> Well, first of all, let's let's correct correct your pronunciation. It's Anuna Kai because it's Jerry. You just got checked. The god of the sky. <laughs> I don't believe they're real, so it doesn't matter. Nuna <laughs> Anu is the god of the sky. Then yes. Nuna, and then Kai, the god of goddess of the earth. So it's like actually the princely offspring of An and Kai. So. Talk about um, Apophis, but, if you if you know anything. Uh, is that the, the the snake thing that goes mm -hmm. around the egg? I I only v tangentially mm. familiar through Crowley. Honestly, I'll have I to don't look know those. very yeah. much. I didn't know that the Crowley talked about Apophis. Yeah, I think he talks about it in the Book of Lies a little bit. I wanted also to add, you were talking about the, uh, the inception-type dreams within dreams thing. 
I, I had heard someone else today, I think it was Lisa Harrison, talking about people in her groups have recently been having a lot of those. Like it's trending up the number of them. I don't know if that means anything to you. Well, well mine, mine specifically was like perfectly timed with my magic work at the time. Because mm. I was specifically working with Namu, which is the Sumerian name for Tiamat. Mm-hmm. That was, that was, was my like, nickname in, when I was a teenager. <laughs> N-A-M-U. Interesting. It's N-A-M-M-U. I only had one M. But still. I, mean, it, <laughs> I know, it's, it's weird. It's a weird sync there. Anyways, um, so at that time, like, I had got really, really into the Book of Lies, and I got really into the concept of non-existence and nothingness. And that kind of happened around the same time. And it, it was actually leading up to my big, crazy Tiamat experience. Nish? Did everything, did, did we lose people? I don't know. No, 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 I'm listening. I thought you were going further. Me too. Oh, I was, <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay. Um, you want me to explain the whole thing? No, no, no. I I've forgot the question that we came podcasts. in on. So it's all good. I'll listen to the other one. So, it's kind of a topic I'll stop to itself, asking questions. Really. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it, it all ties together here. So, in, so back into what's going on now, This we can't untie this from the past. And I think you've made that very clear, which is what I'm getting at. And how this, what we're calling this looping, and so I'm, I'm curious about the connecting thread of that, the early narratives, especially since we've seen from Sumer and all this. Uh, you're, I'm going to get really, say, really nerdy. And I okay, how did I say I would it? Strapping, because it reminds me of how a computer boots up. Bootstrapping. You load up, you know, the basic utilities, the BIOS or the or the uh, EFI, and then you load the bootloader, and then you load, you know, you load it, load it in layers, and you build on top of that, like, foundation. And so our culture has kind of been built on that foundation. And while we don't necessarily pay much attention to what it's doing down there, it's still there and influencing us, and all of our ideas about what's going on and how culture works and stuff builds off of these ideas that become, like, popular. And it just becomes accepted. And we, outside of, you know, people who come in and shake things up like Crowley did, like for the most part, it's just people operating on impulse, you know, operating on everything that came before. Using the tools that their grandfather built kind of thing. Right. So is this, is this somehow, you know how, there's all this chatter about like genetic memory, right? I, I definitely, I, I don't know if I would say genetic, but I definitely think familial lines are an important thing because I've had quite a few, like my magic work has pushed me towards like learning about like my Celtic heritage and stuff. And I've had, and like I have not even, and I've, and it led me to like tracing my heritage back and uh, figuring out my, Parents were yeah, and stuff. That ancestral and, 
digging in your ancestry and stuff like that is real powerful for your magic. But but that's still yeah. it's still genetic. Um, yeah, but I think it's not just like what's literally in your DNA, but also people that influenced those people and what was going on in their lives and who they met in their lives. So like I think of my family as not just being the people I'm genetically related to, but the people who I'm relationally related to. So anyone who is influential to me, I consider it just as much my ancestor as the people whose genetics went into my. Because, like, for example, like, there was this family that <clears throat> were, for all intents and purposes, my godparents. Um, and I grew up with their daughter was born around the same time as I was, and we grew up together and stuff. And in a lot of ways, I feel like their family is as much my family as they are or as my like blood relatives because we they were just as influential and like took up almost like like I know who their family is I know who their grandparents are like like I I we were like kind of together growing up like so I think of them as like my second family and I feel like it's not really necessarily a blood or genetic thing, but so much as like a relational thing. Like who are the people that influenced you and who are the people that influenced them and like all the way up the chain. I'm with that a hundred percent. That's why I call like, you know, I have this woman that had just passed. It's been three years now, I think. Oh, geez. I can't believe the time. And I called her my second mother. I was completely influenced by her. In 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 a million and one ways, they can't separate it. Her influence on my life out, and in many ways, she was more influential on my life than my real mother, whom we already know it was the great goddess to me. There was no one I felt actually closer to. So I'm with you. I also think that we're more than our genetics. So that only takes that kind of. Uh, that anger well, so far also, also our the simple fact that our genetics can change in response to our lives kind of really speaks to me that it's more about what we experience and who we come in contact with and who influences us and all that kind of stuff than anything to do with like the actual genetic code and bloodlines as a as a concept for like heritage if, I, I don't know it's kind of hard to explain it's like well, you're talking magic. Who are your I mean, this is mind stuff, kind of right? This is this is mind stuff, and it's it, spirit I think, bloodlines versus like physical bloodlines. I guess yes. is what I'm trying to get at. Absolutely, of course. You you speak like a magician, and that's <laughs> you know <laughs> seriously. So, all right. So, where I want to go with this line of questioning with you in particular is in your dream world is in your parent dream world because i think this is all a dream world do you have narratives that play out from the sumer stuff and oh, of yeah. course they I've can take on give us some of that stuff um and i'm toying with the idea that it might be a past life memory that surfaced but i can't really say for certain there's no way of verifying it so i've just mm -hmm. kind of left it as maybe like put a big question mark on it <laughs> and uh i have a couple um there's one where i am in a temple and there's a statue of anana 
on an altar, like with all these sort of like offerings and, and accoutrements and stuff. And I'm with someone else and I'm not, I don't look like this at all. I look like someone from the Middle East and I'm wearing kind of like almost like a belly dancer outfit and it's, it's blue like cyan. And the person next to me is one in, that's in like light green. And we like kneel before the altar and then stand up and then we go to like tending to the statue and I'm like pouring out a like pitcher of perfume and she's like doing something else. I wasn't really paying attention. Um, and that's the first dream slash experience thing. And the other one was I was in some sort of like lounge or like music hall or bar or something. And I'm like standing up in the corner with someone who in this experience I knew to be my husband, which I don't even date men in this life. So, <laughs> um, and I'm looking out at the crowd and they're all like kind of sat down on the ground and there's like, this table that's made of like stone. I think there's like a picture on it or something. And everyone's just kind of looking up at me and I'm singing and the, the guy is like playing drums next to me. And I think, er, and another, or a guy to my right is playing drums and the guy to my left who, who in this, I knew to be my husband was playing a gishguti, which is a type of like a, almost like a cross between a sitar and a, and a lute mm -hmm. kind of thing, like almost like a historical guitar, <laughs> but with three strings. And he's playing that, and uh, I'm singing some sort of hymn. And that's that one. So and these... very, very short. Both of them were like like half a minute long, if that. And did these surface, or I don't want to say surface, but that's how these things feel to me sometimes. Did they come forth after you had started digging into this material or before? After. So. Um, leading okay. up to me getting involved in Sumerian stuff, I had a few experiences relating to specifically Anana. I mean, there's a reason I have her symbol on my neck. Yeah. <laughs> Around my neck is a necklace. I guess this is, that's what I was interesting, interested in hearing was how did the road take you back? Well, um, so I, I, I don't really consider, I know in the intro thing, it said Wiccan. I should probably fix that because um, in that document, because I don't really consider myself Wiccan anymore. I've kind of let that go. Um, but I started off with Wicca, definitely. Um, and in I was doing a working through Cunningham's material, mm -hmm. and at some point it like says that you need to find your patron god and goddess, and I was doing the the steps that it it recommends, and Anana came through in a big way, and I became like obsessed with her, and started like reading everything I could get my hands on about her, and that kind of ballooned out into learning everything I could about ancient Mesopotamia and especially the Sumerians. And I mean, that and that has continued to this day. I mean, I just got a new book of Mesopotamian incantations the other day. How long ago was that? 
Um, I want to say like a year and a half or so. Mm. It's actually somewhat recent. I recently heard a lecture, and this person was talking about nanas being connected to Kali and Isis. It's the same consciousness, same entity. I don't know about that. That's that seems more tenuous to me than like um, Asherah and uh, uh, Aphrodite and the that that. Um, there that may be others. Path. It was just the two that that she brought up. It was. Um, more that the a negative female energy consciousness type thing. I don't think of her as negative at all. I think of Nor her as empowered. I. Yeah, I agree. I feel like I the saw idea that of her Jerry being negative feels definitely feels like something projected onto her from a modern perspective. Well, that happens with Kali, you know. Also, there's a lot of I don't know very much about her. I don't really know that much about Hindu deities in general. Um, though I did have an experience with Durga mm -hmm. pretty early on. Durga, Durga. Uh, around, around the same time I started. <laughs> huh? I said Durga, what? Durga. Never mind. It's a joke. Jerry. <laughs> okay. We, we joke. Um, the problem is the stuff that I would joke about, you've probably never heard of. So, <laughs> anyways. Uh, <laughs> Around the same time that I was having those experiences with Nana, I had an experience that I've now come to realize was Durga. I originally thought she was a Nana, because um, she th came through in a way that made me think she was a Nana, and she had a simple message for me, which was just simply, live your Thelema. Huh. That's interesting. Which is where I started getting interested in Thelema, because <laughs> I, was, I was not that interested before that. So in in the dreamscape as you have it now, which I see and read a, a pretty much daily, how, how do you parse through? Um, how do I want to ask this question? Uh, hmm. I'm actually at a loss for how I want to. I can see what I want to ask, and I can't parse through the words. So it's it's relating back to the Mesopotamian stuff. It's I'm trying to tie this into your idea. So here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to tie this into ideas of reincarnation and where you are now on this path. I asked you about reincarnation earlier, but we take this back to Mesopotamia. I've, are you following? Well, let me, me actually just yeah, I get what you're trying to say, and let me just say I'm not sure, but I've had multiple people. People that don't even really know me very well accuse me of being a reincarnation of Inheduana, who was a Sumerian priestess and also the first um, poet who we know who she was, like who actually wrote the poems, because she was the first one to actually sign her work. <laughs> and and that does fit seeming to know what I know about you as well. There's something there, just just this I've had little bit. Um, people like interested in ancient Sumerian stuff and working with that current read my hymns and accuse me of being a reincarnation. <laughs> and, and how do you feel about that? Similar to so Vanessa, I'm how do you really like, sure what to make of it? Is it's there... kind of a cool idea, but I don't really know. I, I'm not. I'm not convinced one way or another. I just I've kind of learned 
to not try to read too far into things and just kind of go with whatever happens and let it unfold because it's going to unfold at whatever pace it wants to. And if I try to force it, I'm just going to be like banging my head against it. <laughs> Have you, is, is anyone in your family in the military? Um, yes. So, and so I just wondering like how close in, that is i'm always this is like something that my dad was former army and currently works as a civilian contractor for a branch of the military i'm going to leave it somewhat vague intentionally um i have other family members that have been in the military or are presently in the military and so the reason i used to work for the air force myself as a civilian contractor okay so that ties you in so what I'm trying to, especially there's a lot of, as you know, in the collective, there's a lot of this, and I don't know where you stand with it. There's a lot of chatter around, I mean, okay, there's obviously ancient alien stuff out there, but there's a lot of this oh. other stuff. I know, I know, I know. I, I won't even go there because I'm I, you, that alone, <laughs> I'm with you. Uh I just want to, I want to try and pin this into the idea of dreams and dream memory and dream experiences through, through possible military stuff. And um, in particular, you know, I'm really interested in all the stuff that happened in 1947 with Parsons and the Black Dahlia and Roswell, (laughs) you know where I'm going. And so it's interesting. I love Parsons. Right? Right? This he, is significant. Lever 49 was a huge, like when I started digging into Thelema, that was the thing I was drawn to first and foremost and most significantly. Well, give us, give us some of your, your ideas on all that. And I, I'm, there's a tie in here with the ancient world, as you must know. Well, um, <clears throat> To put it simply, I am convinced that Libra 49 was Inanna, mm-hmm. that she was on the other end of that, like she was the voice for that. And uh, to put it simply, Inanna in the ancient myths was the Prometheus character. She There's a myth, Inanna and Inki, where she steals the, the Mies, which is a Sumerian word that isn't really translatable um in some cases it tra- it means sacred scrolls sometimes it means well in tablets um sacred tablets sometimes it means like information and sometimes it's just like concepts in a like nebulous sense it's it's really difficult to nail down um but she stole them them from from the other gods and by getting Inky drunk, like mm-hmm. completely shit faced, and uh, stole them and took them to and gave them to humanity, um, and that was basically the seeds of civilization. So, her as the one who spurs technological development is a motif that's very strong in the Mesopotamian texts, and then we see that playing out like to a T in Parsons life. (laughs) 
you can keep elaborating. I, I'm. And so, I mean, one thing that I've recently discovered that ties into all this is that the Jehovah's Witnesses predicted Crowley. <laughs> okay, this is that's new to me. What what the date what, what? they gave? Okay, so the date that they gave for when Jesus was supposed to take the throne was the year that the guy, one of the the, the guy who basically created the the formula for the Golden Dawn and like started it, um, who had like previously been part of the Rosicrucian order in Anglica. I'm I'm gonna butcher these names. I'm not very good at pronouncing Latin, but. Um, the year he took over the, the Rosicrucian order was the year that they said Jesus would take the throne. And then the year that they said that the time of trouble would end is the year that Crowley decided to turn the OTO into a Thelemic order. So he was preempted by a prophecy that was completely misinterpreted. And then he pre- uh, prophesied this new, the coming of this new Aeon and then Parsons receives the message from Babylon and promptly creates the space age. So <laughs> I, I definitely feel like Anana was just like, okay, enough. You guys need to do something interesting for a change. Stop fighting over people over stupid desert deities and do something interesting for once. <laughs> Go to space or something. Gosh, you guys are so boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this is this is really super fascinating stuff. So with all this in mind, with the idea of okay, so with the parson stuff in particular, let's rest there for a second. What reverberations what effect do you think that cause had on the now that we're experiencing if we could make this into a line of time (laughs) she's holding up her cell phone people (laughs) i feel like that's enough said (laughs) yes the 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 black mirrors the modern day black mirrors of magic trying surfaces they are completely occult ish you know they're completely magical objects that I've so used, i've definitely used turned off tv screens and stuff as trying surfaces. oh yeah absolutely and this is i mean this is that's so great it's so modern witchery but it's the truth i have too i have photos of doing that just to show that the reflection is so good and you can scry into it or onto it uh pardon me i got a little belch there so with all this with the parson stuff with this magic stuff do you see any of this playing out in your current dreams so we we got a sense of the esoteric stuff with meeting the so when you're going out of body within the dream and doing that meeting magical people and, and priests are you doing magic within your dreams? Well, I've already read a few where I did like incantations. Uh, I mean, like in a con- in a conscious sense. So in the stage four, so, I think you have it. Is um, stage four? 
Yeah, I've definitely had times when I've done rituals and stuff. Um, but you you said Parsons and this stuff, and it immediately reminded me of this. So let me just read this entry. Um, there was multiple dreams night, so I think some of them are kind of weird and stupid, but I think uh, my first dream was a dark dream in a strange arcade. There was a weird story based on a horror version of Ski Ball <laughs> that incorporated elements of Five Nights at Freddy's. I wasn't really scared, but it weirded me out a little. The, that dream ended, and when I woke up, I had to use the restroom. The next dream was all about Jack Parsons attending a temple and praying to Anana, where I was the N, which N is a Sumerian word that means high priestess. Um, and worked attending to attending to a lion statue. Then he received instructions from her that I couldn't hear. That one ended, and I woke up, rolled over, fell back asleep. Third dream, I was getting ready for some kind of lock-in at my dad's church, and there was a kind of reunion thing. I packed a bunch of stuff related to my current sp spiritual path, and I was really hungry, so I tried to get some food to eat at the restaurants but they were closed and the grocery store was low on stock i finally found some food to pack and found an open burger king to get a veggie burger i woke up hungry <laughs> <laughs> i love the woke up hungry bit <laughs> suddenly the dream becomes all about food because i'm hungry <laughs> yeah well and that illustrates it's like the pee ones right it, it totally illustrates how connected our biology is with this mind stuff. And that's what I was getting at earlier with what you think is going on overall, because there certainly we're, we're tethered to these biological suits somehow. And we we're having a full immersion experience within this experience of consciousness. So that when I cut myself, I hurt. And this can tie over into I other states. in a dream too, though. <laughs> well, and you'd actually already said that with the, was it a burn? I can't recall what it yeah, was. Yeah, I burned myself on a candle because I wanted to see if it hurt. <laughs> yeah, right. And so, so like with your mother, when you went in and did that, I, I wasn't, I guess I wasn't clear that that was actually something that was in state, your stage four, that awareness, awareness where you went in and did that on the bed and, and took care of that business for her um definitely i knew what i was doing uh, okay all right that's where i like how you've not i like this not i can say stage four and we've got like a <laughs> we've got a common vernacular here what uh, what do you think's going on then with all this said what do you think's going on with the idea of death how's that playing into all this I don't know. I definitely think there's some sort of afterlife. And I have a landscape for what that looks like, but what does that mean in the grand scheme of things? I have no idea. What's the landscape look like to you? Oh, okay. So um, let's start with the simple fact that the Greek ideas of the afterlife and the Sumerian ideas of the afterlife are a pretty close match when it comes to the description of the landscape. 
And if you cross-reference the Greek and the Sumerian, you basically fill in the gaps and you have a literal map of what the kingdom of Urkala, as it's said in the Mesopotamian, um, looks like, which is that there are two rivers that come down and branch off and go and like make essentially an island. Right. And there's a four fields and then in the center is the city that's a walled city and there are seven or eight depending on version gates to that city that you have to cross through and you have to get across the river by interacting with the boatman in some way either bribing him or pleasing him in some way or or whatever um and then inside there is um inside of the city there's at somewhere is the uh garden which has you know of course the fountain of memory and forgetfulness and the forgetfulness has a tree which has fruit made that that is crystal is like made of crystal and what's this so the tr- the tree of forgetfulness the, the 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 fountain of forgetfulness is coming from like the like the tree is the centerpiece yeah and is so is that and does that play into i'm not actually fully familiar with that at all so how does that play into the idea of being wife of your memory forgetfulness yeah. um and in, in the Eleusinian mysteries the uh they taught you to make a point of not getting involved in that because people would be there erasing their past life memories in that river and they say instead of doing that go and ask the guard that you're thirsty but you want water from the the fountain of memory which to me that i read that and i parse that as the abzu from the sumerian text the uh, fresh water Mm. Uh, fountain of wisdom and and this is one of those little things like in the in the egyptian book of the dead this is like one of those tricks to it's almost like a trick like you need to know to ask Mm -hmm. for the oh yeah definitely so the fountain of this is good to know i'm actually (laughs) the fountain of memory i want the fountain of memory i'm making a note of this is there yeah um (laughs) I, I definitely want whoever buries me, I want direct instructions to bury me with one of those Eleusinian mystery um instruction pages. <laughs> I I wanna get will somebody link that in Nox Mente for sure? That particular this particular info. So because I wanna get into this is this is that's I want to get deeper into that. That's what I'm asking. I'm intrigued by I this. I created a Sumerianized version that I've uploaded to my website. Could you share that with us in the server? Sure. You could just link it to your to your site, even, which is fantastic. So, in the the crystal tree, and that's that's in the center of the fountain of forgetfulness. Mm-hmm. 
and the fruit. It's mentioned of- definitely. It's it's mentioned vaguely, like offhandedly, in some of the Sumerian tablets, but it's specifically referenced in the that Ellicinian mystery um, page. What of the fruit from that tree? Um, it says nothing of it in the Greek texts, but in the Mesopotamian texts, it says that it is the uh, fruit with the uh, secret to all sexual prowess. Like it makes you the best sexual person on the face of the planet. <laughs> and yet it's being fed from the fountain of forgetfulness. I never even like considered that they two might be related. <laughs> and and right, and then we're thinking so sexual. I'm thinking, you know, base chakra, bottom of the tree of life, uh, and uh, which I a lot of times think of as easy ways to manipulate, be manipulated, and also manipulate. So there's, I'm just making these connections with that, which is why I want to, I want to know more. That's what I, I want to. I'm mostly trend, tend, tend to trend away from the Kabbalah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I, just I got really into it, it at first. It, it, it's. I think, I think we're having connection problems. It's. I think it's good to tie. She was tongue tied. <laughs> you truly oh i think it's good to tie things in so i'm not i can't say that i'm worshiping at any altar right now in um complete devotion let me put it that way i've the, definitely this, got uh, a statue of, of anana on my altar that i created myself <laughs> well i have gone through these stages in my life and but right now it's 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 not that way and i'm i'm in in journeyman mode so, but this you've you've given me something really good to get onto. I'm very into that information that we just were talking about, <laughs> and it's extra juicy because as we're talking about the realm of death, right? And the one of the things that we're all looking at, especially in these very interesting times, is it's confronting every. It's always confronting you. Death's always confronting you no matter what it's part every time we lay down it's a little death in a way and so the more we push into these ideas especially the older they are and it get you know mesopotamia is very old sumer is it's this is this is like as far as what we know these are very old there's gobekli pepe and there's other stuff coming up too However, I don't know much about this particular aspect and want to know more. So I went ahead and dropped the uh, map tablet in there as well, the picture of the map tablet. What room did you put it in? The general. Okay, cool. I will, I think we'll put it somewhere where we can pin it. Uh, It's not going to make a whole lot of sense unless you can read cuneiform, but... You can kind of see the general lay of the land. Yes, and I'm sure I'm going to have questions for you. I got a question. I just thought <laughs> Go, Jerry. Zachariah Sitchin. Nutcase. Nut, okay. <laughs> <laughs> a person who doesn't read um, and just makes stuff up. Because and, and a Freemason. I didn't even know that, but 
his his stuff is based on intentionally misreading the texts and like just making stuff up. Well, so, do you think that that like, was partly because? For example, the, okay, carry on. Uh, for example, he points to a symbol for kingship, like a, a cuneiform symbol for kingship, and he says, "Oh, that's a spaceship. If you, it looks like a spaceship, but we actually know what it is because actually cuneiform signs are." based on an earlier pictograph system. So um, they're essentially all sigils, and we have the origins of them, and no, it's actually a hat, or more specifically, a crown. It's a crown turned on its side. <laughs> so that's kind of an example of just how much of a nut he is, or just, like, he's intentionally misrepresenting things to get his narrative across. Also, he keeps calling the Enuma Elise a Sumerian tablet when it's actually a Babylonian tablet written in the Babylonian language, not the Sumerian language. Yeah, these things are really significant. It's very significant. I often wonder, though, if he wasn't, if, this is what I was talking about earlier with people that were reading the earlier stuff before this be, before more scholarship came into the into the, into play and they just got stuck in that earlier bit of information I, you know i don't me know as a, i want to believe so bad that i will read anything into anything to make my preconceived notions the truth yeah yeah it was it's a hot topic for like sure. Like he d so desperately wants there to be aliens everywhere that he reads that into everything. Well, what do you think about aliens? I think they're they're. Well, I'm going to use this word, but I'm going to preface it with explaining that everything is demons. <laughs> well, no, I but... was going to use that word, but I was going to preface <laughs> that I mean it in the Latin sense, meaning spirits. Yes. I think they're spirits of the earth, like from under the earth. What's under the earth? Because, like caves and stuff. The oh, underground, not the, like underneath the plane, right? Yeah, like literally, like caves and abandoned mine shafts and stuff. Because there are spirits in pretty much every mythology that come from those caves that have similar attributes and. And I seem to find that people who have gray experiences tend to also live near the entrance of a, of either a bunch of mine shafts or some sort of massive cave system, such as the uh, the um, the caves that are in Kentucky. Yeah, um, mammoth caves all over like that. Yeah, mammoth cave. I couldn't think of the name, mm -hmm. but like that whole cave system like covers that entire half of the United States. And surprise, surprise, a lot of the uh, gray encounters tend to happen from places where those caves are their biggest. So I, I'm convinced that it's the, just simply the genus loci of like cave systems, and essentially what in like I think it's Trithemius that it classifies them into like gnomes sylphs um salamanders and undine mm -hmm. um i think it's essentially the gnomes the the earth spirits the element of earth um and there's there are equivalents for all of those in the sumerian tablets um with the exception of salamanders there's no fire spirits um in the the sumerian tablets but they're the equivalent to the gnomes would be the gala the equivalent to the undine would be the udug 
and the equivalent to the sylphs would be the lil. Man, you're awesome. Is, is, is this <laughs> seriously? You got a depth here that's really uh, inspiring. Do so. Do you think that they are interdimensional? Are they physical? I mean, I think they live in the spirit plane. So I mean, which the, is like parallel to our world, and that's kind of a, a concept for interdimensional. Or is that different to you? The spirit realm well, is a as opposed to interdimensionality. I think we well, I think we've got time wrong. So if we've got time wrong, then we've also got dimensionality wrong, because it's based off of the concept of time, and I think we've got that wrong. Which is think, how we like, open this. To, to borrow a phrase from the Mothman prophecies, I think it's sideways in time. Yes. Yeah. I can pull up to that. I do. I have always felt that there was the, the time thing's bizarre. It's so bizarre to me. I think most people now are talking about how strange time is anyway, where we're where the whole idea of time anyway that we're experiencing is still a theory by the way so also also to expand on that i think the whole abduction experience is actually that they're occultists and they're pulling people in to do like spirit binding and stuff ooh girl because so, so what much do you of think the description about are like a one to one matched. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, okay, if I if it was me, <laughs> if if it was a if it was a person instead of a, a alien thing, and it was looking the same way, you'd be saying that they're a they're a witch and they're doing you know X Y Z occult operation. So like, just because it's from the other side of the veil, that doesn't make it any less the same thing. So that's really interesting. I mean, because so often they're described as having a wand. They usually like try to like cloak it and and say oh it was like some sort of technology thing but like when you actually re listen to the description no it's it's a wand <laughs> Jerry what are you saying I don't remember um it's interesting and it, it, what it, what it made me think about is that there are there are websites online and used to be on Etsy and eBay where you could buy spirit attachments like creepy hollows places like that where they do spirit do bindings what? They they do spirit bindings oh. to whatever you know. Uh, oh, you mean like 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 talismans where they encapsulate it with a spirit? No, they're more like drawing spirits into these. Yeah, things. like Trithemius with the the art of drawing uh, spirits into crystals and stuff. That's what I think about it, but I don't know what they're really doing. I thought they my, were my, doing into sigils, the ones you're talking about. Jim. No, they 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 can sell you they sell spirited they call them spirited items like stones or crystals oh or, yeah i've done that one. yeah so they also this is the long the end of it they sell these uh spirit bindings to real people to live people oh i which, didn't know, even know about that which i thought was always odd right but that kind of would fall into what you're talking about because where they might be live people in other dimensions according to their website so if there are, say, parallel realities, that would make... They're the greys! <laughs> well, that's maybe how we see them, because the frequency shift between our dimension and their dimension, you know, amplifies or whatever, retards the... Who knows? Who knows? 
That's just the way well, maybe mean, they, a, they want to look. Think about it from just like a pure physical perspective. What thing on Earth has an appearance like the Greys? I don't know. Nothing. Cave fish. Cave fish. They have the big eyes to see in the dark, and right, they have the right. pale skin because they have no goblins. <laughs> well, I think those are greys. I think it's all the same thing. I think the greys that people have experiences with aren't are not physical. They cannot become physical. They're never here. Well, I think. Well, yeah, definitely. Like they're being their spirit is being pulled into the ethereal, and that's where that where everything is happening. And it's like spirit operations, like I would do in a a cult ritual. Hmm. Hmm. Because the description is like even their their outfits. It's like, oh no, that's like straight out of this grimoire. Like, oh, you need this kind of belt and these kind of like bracelets and this kind of headband and it's like oh i know exactly what that outfit is so it's like if if i'm looking at these raw like experiencer accounts and then looking at grimoires it's like oh no i know that. <laughs> mm-hmm. so where does the if we're looking at within this vein here what about the the orders of, and I guess this this brings us into more grimoire tradition anyway, so it brings us forward in time, but the whole angelic order and all that and playing into, because there seems to be a lot of crossover with the idea, sorry, with demons, aliens, then we've got the higher orders of Seraph and the principalities and all of that. Where do you think all that ties in? And it's specifically in those well, old grimoires of the 1500s. Well, well, first of all, um, some of it is plain made up, and we know that for a fact because we mm-hmm. know what it was based on. It was based on like fictional things that were popular at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it is based on older stuff, um, especially old pantheons they would just rebrand them as demons or rebrand them as angels or rebrand them as saints so a lot of it is actually just deities with different outfit on essentially Mm -hmm. um and some of it is just don't really know where it comes from it just kind of pops out of nowhere so the stuff that's anomalous that pops out of nowhere, this is always the stuff that intrigues me the most. Why? How does... Well, I've how's... seen some of it come about in my own life. Like, I've watched people in their own practice. Like, they'll come across something. Like, my, maybe it's like the genus loci, like, shows up. Mm-hmm. And then they center their practice around it. A good example is Aaron. Aaron David. Yes he's awesome he had that experience with goat and that's become a huge center of his practice but he doesn't (laughs) (laughs) well i mean he and i are pretty close i know i know Um, i loved you on uh, i don't know if you've been on more than once but i love the show i heard you on at least so long ago i was such a different person back then (laughs) but yeah he he and me and and kelly are all like talk all the time constantly and 
anyways, um, so like, if he was to write a grimoire, you know, Goat would be in it, mm-hmm. and it would just be called Goat, and it'd be based on his descriptions of like what his experiences were. So, and it would be included just as matter of factly as anything else. So, but it would have seemed to have essentially come out of nowhere. But that doesn't mean that archetype is new. It just means that you know that person was just like, well, I had this experience, this is what I experienced, and I'm not going to brand it with anything. I'm just going to leave it as it is. Yeah. Well, I don't think that there is, at this point, There, to me, there is no new archetype. I don't know. Like, it, they do seem to just tie back to the older stuff again. There's that tons old, of new archetypes. what I was trying to say. Tons of new archetypes. Look at all the superheroes. No, Look but they're the... not new, No, that, those are, so many of those are based on, like, I can, for example, Thor, I mean, that's literally a deity, okay. and that Iron, can trace Iron all Man. the way back to Iron Man. Damien. Iron Man would be, um... They're, they uh, may be, have loose relations to things, but they, in and of themselves, have become their own archetypes that you can draw power from directly without having to but know I the think background. They, I, don't, I disagree yeah, that well, they're new, the thing, though, though, Jerry. Okay. Well, yeah. For yeah. one, like Iron Man definitely strikes me as mercurial. So like I would I would say he oh, connects that's the with Flash. Hermes. A that's lot. the Flash. But these all these all the all the heroes mm-hmm. through the different comics have you can derive their their specific abilities to old world gods and goddesses. I'm I'm thinking of Merc- Mercury from a a magical sense because he's not about speed he's about information and access to knowledge and making use of that right right i mean um, he's but, hermes i mean you can we can just move him through gemini i mean come on these Prometheus, i feel like Lucifer. i feel like there's a set it's like chess pieces and we can keep renaming them i don't think anything new is actually surfacing i think the archetypes are all ancient and set like uh, a set of energy and we can see them in all these old cultures just take on new clothing but and also i, I want to add on to that that like the whole chaos magicy you can make anything into a deity thing in my experience, that's not really true. There is a potentness to connecting with like historically worshipped deities that you don't get with things that you just pull out of like pop culture and stuff. Like, and it that level of of ability of like pulling something out of pop culture seems to be on par with with uh, created spirits such as like tulpas and stuff they seem to be have about the same level of power it's like the table of a table of correspondence with with the elements and all this they're they're you've you've got you're working with all the different elements and you can mix and match them but when you start to dissect them down you can still see the parts that make them up so they can take yep. on different that's, forms. That's kind of what I was getting at. <laughs> yeah, Th- that's what I'm getting at. That's why I say there's nothing new, but I understand there's a new, you know, the Empress got new clothing. <laughs> right? Or, you know, I got a new hairdo. 
So, and who gets at that really well is Neil Gaiman in American Gods. I mean, he does that. I think he really gives us that idea brilliant. I'm unfamiliar. It's fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. You should get familiar. But I mean, the internet <laughs> is is an archetype in and of itself, and this the the new age of how the gods have moved into the new age is really he's really speaking about that and american gods it's just genius on that note <laughs> are there questions jerry none that, I've, none that i've seen we've been having a side conversation five minutes no i haven't seen any did you ask i did okay cool yeah because we're at like over the two hour mark already jesus oh god <laughs> jesus easily go for another five <laughs> i know well i'm super into you know so i knew i knew you had this extreme depth on the sumer stuff and I did. Yeah, that's I, kind of my wheelhouse. I mean, that's pretty much anything that I do occult-wise. I translate first into like ancient Mesopotamian stuff, and then do it that way. Yeah, but you're super so, like, scholarly. My wand so... has cuneiform all over it, and yeah, my I've got like you know. Well, my okay. apartment is littered with books on ancient Mesopotamia and stuff. Right, and you've talked about that in our server, and we had small conversations on it. But I, you know, you you're definitely a scholar in this, and you're one of those people that dives deep, clearly, and gets into the <laughs> nitty gritty, which I highly respect and bow to. I want to close on this. I want to um, before, and then we'll plug your stuff, of course. But what do you think? And so I already asked this essentially in a million different ways but are does is this a dream are we having a dream is this a dream to you right now i don't know it's that simple i don't know and you know this is coming from you who has dreams within dreams within dreams within dreams where you astral project within dreams so uh, <laughs> you know i mean that's juicy because this is my constant my constant ponder it just seems to, it can't it doesn't go away ever and uh and and in my dream life i am constantly asking myself that in in the dreamscape also what's i'm trying to find out like what's really real seems to be like such a question for me i already understand that the flesh we're in is is temporal i've never identified with my personal flesh in this experience and when i've come into contact with the dreams of seeing reflections and i'm not who i am here and yet I am a different person, but I, there's always a sense of ego or I or id or whatever, this greater sense of, of personality that's, and even within esoteric contexts where I've got a sense of connectedness on a large scale with a greater, greaterness bigger than me, there's still this kernel there that is, is functioning, that is not functioning from 
say a hubris type stance is functioning from a greater stance but there's still somehow a sense of self it's not ego i don't know how to get that out i don't even know what that language should be so I that's mean, why you i could question call it this. and call it the holy guardian angel yeah but it, i don't think of it in that way either and so that's why language is just is so limited for how i yeah it's limiting it's limiting but that's why i asked you i don't think i've ever well, language is just a sigil language is a sigil i agree and it's also a virus <laughs> laurie anderson no wait it was laurie was taking that from someone else though uh anyway so on that note what where can people find you vanessa well um all over the place <laughs> but not as many places as most people seem to be on um <laughs> that was really vague uh i have a web a couple websites i have gnostic temple of org, and i have butterflies and incantations.com um, the former is my occult related website, um, and the latter is my, um, blog slash sort of kind of trying to make a podcast sort of sometimes thing. <laughs> and also your music, uh, which is fucking awesome. And that's at vnessi.bandcamp.com. Yeah, your music's awesome. Seriously. <laughs> if you move Thank out you. here, we're getting in a band. <laughs> <laughs> I'm way into your music. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Not very so many whereabouts in are. Ohio are you? I am in Dayton. Yeah. I don't know where Dayton is. But like east? Uh, it's kind of. I only know where Grimstake lives. And... West Columbus. What? Um, no, I'm. Well, James is in Ohio. Yeah, he's in Cleveland. Yeah. James Cruz. Uh, they're um, cruising with steak people. Yeah, Grimstake and. Hmm. Not really. All right. I've. I know the uh. Yeah, he's in Ohio too. There's some kind of something going on in Ohio, I think. There is. Uh, there's Ohio definitely has Ohio a situation, boring, and we have to find more interesting things to do. Some of us that mean cult stuff. <laughs> I, I wonder, and I'm always wondering why so many like there's really great musicians that come out of Ohio and lots of occultists. Does, oh, dead. Really, in because Ohio. like the Ohio cult scene is so dead. You, they leave Ohio. To the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, they, they leave Ohio, but they, you know, I know so many from Ohio. Hmm. Just saying, just I saying. Know. I know a ton of witches from Ohio. Yeah, just saying. So this has been a great pleasure. I'm, I just want to thank you again for being such a great participant in the Noxmente server. Yes, thank you so much. I mean, you really make the wheels go round there. So, and then so many people wanted you. It, Grim Steak from Cruising with Steak that we were just talking about asked, he said, when is she getting on? You know, like <laughs> I had three people in one day. On three people in one day. I'm like, holy shit. All right, that's the sign. <laughs> we're doing this. That was because of Ren. 
friend server somebody said it and like everyone was like let's make this a thing yeah i, I was getting the dm so and then you know and we love aaron david and that's where i actually first heard you so oh 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 i aaron would kill me if i didn't mention the the peacock goat review um i write for that his uh his magazine oh did he ever publish my article a bastard i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know, but he's published everyone I've wrote, so I wrote one for his first his first episode. First epi- issue rather. I forgot all about that. I don't it was know. Like a year I... ago. Jerry, you gotta look. Well I, let me I see. I thought he never finished it. Vanessa's on it right now. Look at her. She's I getting it. Have it right here. Um is it under I Jerry? Guess he didn't. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> oh, I don't care. I don't care. You never I don't I don't, I, I don't remember. It was so long ago. You might have put it in a later issue too, because like sometimes he does that. He'll be like, oh, this article will match with this other upcoming issue. Because he tries to like have a topic for each one, kind of in a sort of way. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Well, at any a lot rate, of times a bunch of people turn in articles about a topic at the same time, so he'll like hold them until they're and stick them all in the same issue. I found the email. It was from August. Oh well, it doesn't matter. So that that would be a different issue than the one that I happen to have in front of me. <laughs> so uh, yeah. This was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, thank you. Thanks to for having me on. It was fun. Yeah, Thanks this was fun. On. Thanks for I coming love on. I all the magic talk. With the late uh, notice on that. I apologize for that. Yeah, we, we were supposed to have Jason well, Miller tonight. It just happened to be a day I was off. I know it worked great. out. So we're going to reschedule with Jason. He had a family emergency and had to leave town. But Godspeed, Jason. And next week we have Michael Wand, and that should be a really awesome conversation. He's got all that Susquehanna esoteric occult ritual stuff mapped out from uh, the Susquehanna Valley, I think it is, right? Or the river, rather, but in the valley. So it should be interesting. Be sure to check it out. Anyway, good night, everyone. <laughs>